0: Remember those magic eye posters. Do you guys remember the magic eyes? Right? If you were born after 1985, you probably have no clue what I'm talking about. Those magic eye posters, they're, they're like, um, like weird images where it's kind of trippy. It's kind of groovy, right? Black light mosaic. It's like this poster where if you stare at it, everything looks really blurry and it doesn't make sense. But the longer you look at it, Eventually, you see that there's an image underneath. How many of you guys remember those those magic eye posters, right? What you had to do is this. You had to look at it for like a long time, and then you would kind of cross your eyes, tilt your head, and they're like, oh, I can see it. Yeah, there's a boat. There's a dinosaur. There's a ship. Do you all remember the the magic eye posters? I remember when I was a, a little kid, I'd go to Walmart with my grandparents, and it was so boring, And I'd be walking around. They never let me get anything that I wanted. But Walmart actually had a poster section. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to go check out the posters. And my Nana was like, "Okay, good. Leave me alone. And so... (laughs) I would go and stare at these posters for like an hour. I was just like a weird kid in the middle of an aisle in Walmart, like cross-eyed, cock-headed, like just be like, oh, hey, you know what's going on? Take a look at this thing. And so I'd be looking at this poster. And then afterwards, I would eventually see the image. Right? Do you remember? You're like, I get it. I see it. Oh, that's amazing. I see the picture. Like, do y'all remember the, the, do you know what I'm talking about at all? Okay, I'm actually going to throw it up on the screen. Oh, there it is. Right? This is the magic eye. And so there's actually a certain way that you have to look at it in order to be able to see it. First, got to get up really close, right? you got to get like this. Your, your, your face has to be up against the thing. And then you, you slowly, uh, no, too far, too close, OK. And then you slowly step back. And what they said is this. My wife was like, no, you have to look at it, but you can't actually look at it. I'm like, that makes no sense. So you got to stare at it, but you can't stare at it. And then you back up. And then if you see four squares, well, then you're too far away. But if you see you know, two squares, then you're too close. you got to get at just the right place, in just the right position. And then what happens is what was blurry all of a sudden becomes in focus, which you can't see. All of a sudden, you see clearly. And you wanted to be the first person to ever see it, right? You're like, oh, I see it. I see it. How can you not see it? It's so obvious. Look, there's a dinosaur right there. How do you not see it? Do y'all remember the, the Magic Eye posters? Okay, today is gonna to be a little bit like that because that's kind of what like faith in Jesus is like. That when you first come to Jesus, it doesn't really make sense When you first come to Jesus, everything's a little fuzzy and blurry that you don't necessarily see it. Not yet. It's not yet clear, but you know that there's something underneath. You know that there's more to him than what you're actually seeing, but it just doesn't quite make sense because faith in Jesus is kind of like a magic eye where it's blurry, but today Jesus wants to help you see clearly. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22. And the sermon title today is called, Jesus Heals a Blind Man. And we're going to see Jesus help a person be able to see him clearly. We got five verses. I got five points. And I want to help you be able to see Jesus clearly. We're going to read it all. And then I want to give you five ways and five things that you need if you want to be able to see Jesus. Picking up in verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, that's Jesus and his disciples, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, yep, read that right, spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And Jesus said, then he laid his hands on his eyes again and he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly and he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter into the village. Now, on the surface, this would seem like a pretty straightforward miracle. Nothing, no big deal here. You know, nothing big to see. I mean, it's a straightforward miracle. Jesus rolls into Bethsaida. It's a small fishing village. All of a sudden, there's a blind man and says, hey, I can't see. Jesus says, all right, come with me. Then he lays hands on him. Can you see anything? No. Can you see anything now? Oh, yeah, I can see. Shazam, he's healed. All right On the surface, this would seem like a pretty commonplace miracle there's really not a big deal going on here and the tendency because we can become so familiar with the scriptures that we just kind of move past things really fast is that we wouldn't actually give this story the 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 importance that it deserves because next week is next week is a is a famous story Next week is going to be a great sermon. It's a great story. Next week is actually the hinge that all of Mark hangs on. It's when Peter makes the first public confession that Jesus is the Christ. Next week is going to be amazing. He says, you're the Christ. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. It's going to be amazing. Like Next week is going to be great. And when we read the Bible, we typically want to jump forward, but just like the magic eye, If we want to see Jesus clearly, we need to slow down. We need to look closely, look carefully. We need to focus so we can see him clearly. Jesus actually does something that's really incredible here. Okay, what you need to understand is that when it comes to this story is it's not just about a physical healing nearly as much as it is about a spiritual healing, that this sermon is not so much about a physical blindness nearly as much as it is about a spiritual blindness. That just like the disciples, you and me, oftentimes in our lives, we do not see Jesus clearly. We do not see him for who he is or what he does. That we do not see him moving or working in our lives. We come to him, but we don't know him. We're close to him, but we still do not see see him this is not a story about a physical healing nearly as much as it is a spiritual healing one thing you got to understand about the gospel of mark is that they didn't have the bible back then the way that we have the bible today whenever we're reading this we say oh that's 821 822 all the way through 826 okay great we're going to be in mark chapter 8 verse 22 through 26 they didn't have verses or chapters in their Bible. okay, Those are added centuries later, just to be able to help us learn how to to read it. The way that the early church would have done it is if you were in that first church in Rome, the pastor would call everyone together, and then he would open up the book, and then he would read it from the very beginning to the very end, all in one sitting. And so if you were in that early church in Rome, you would be listening to this scripture, and you would automatically connect it to last week's teachings. That you would know, oh, wait, hold on. This, this is telling a, a bigger story. And you would recognize that this wasn't just about a physical blindness. It was really about a spiritual blindness. Because if you think back to last week's sermon, you have the crowd that Jesus performs the miracle for. He feeds the multitudes, not 5,000, but 4,000 people. He does it again for the second time. And the crowd, they still don't know who Jesus is. Do you know why? Because they're blind. And then the Pharisees, they come up, and they want to argue and debate, and they want to fight, and they want to criticize and ridicule Jesus, and they demand a sign. You know why they demand a sign? It's Because they're blind. And then you have the disciples. They're sitting in the boat, and they're arguing about the bread. They're like, Thaddeus, you forgot the bread. It's the miracle bread. You forgot the bread. Oh, no, we're doomed. We have no bread. And you know why they were so busy focusing on the bread? It's because they didn't realize who Jesus was. See, the disciples, they too were still blind. They don't see Jesus And so if you were in that early church, you would recognize this is a story about a spiritual blindness. In fact, here's what Jesus says in Mark 8, 17. Last week's sermon, here's what we read. Do you not yet perceive? Do you not yet understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? And then verse 21, very important. He says this, do you not yet understand? See, in one sense, yes, this is a miracle about a physical healing. See, at Redemption, we believe in physical healing. Like, we do. We believe that Jesus does, can, will, still wants to heal. We believe that. So if you are going through something in your life and you need Jesus to heal you, please come forward. we love to pray for you to see if Jesus will heal you. We have a whole prayer team in the front that would love to pray for you. If you're sick, please come forward. We'll pray for you. We believe that Jesus heals. If you're suffering, please come forward. We want to pray for you. We believe that Jesus heals. We've seen Jesus heal people in our church. We pray that Jesus will heal people in our church. We believe it. We expect it. He can do it. We believe in healing. But this sermon is not just about physical healing. This sermon is actually about a spiritual healing, that many of us, we have hearts that are hard towards him. And he wants to open up our hearts. Many of us, we have ears that are closed towards him, that he wants to speak into your life, but we're not listening to him. And so we need him to open up our ears so we can see, that many of us, we are blind to him. We have eyes that cannot see, that we are living in darkness. We are blinded. We are living in a way that we cannot know him. We cannot see him. He's not clear. We need to see Jesus clearly. How many of you at points or places in your life you're wondering, where is Jesus at in all of this? What is Jesus doing in the midst of this? I can't see him. I don't know him. I don't understand him. I do not yet perceive. How many of you in your life, you want to be able to see Jesus clearly? If so, then he needs to do a miracle in your life. So that way you can see him clearly. My great-grandmother, she used to sing a song before she passed. It was an old hymn, and she would sing this, and she would say, Day by day, these things I pray, to know thee dearly, to follow thee nearly, and to see thee clearly. If that's you, you're in a place to where faith looks like a magic eye, where you know there's something bigger and better underneath it, but it's just not making sense and you want to see Jesus clearly, let me give you five ways that you can see Jesus clearly. The first way for you to see Jesus clearly is you got to be desperate for him. If you want to see Jesus, you got to be desperate for Jesus. In verse 22, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Now, blindness was rampant in the ancient world. It was a very big problem, like a lot of people were suffering from this condition of blindness. But if you think about it, it could be pretty expected. I mean, they didn't have optometrists. They didn't have bifocals. They didn't have LASIK surgery. They didn't have any of the things that we have when it comes to treating our our vision. Right? My wife, if this was 2,000 years ago, she'd be blind. OK, she's technically legally blind already. But 2,000 years ago, I mean, this, this, could be, this could be her. How many of you guys, like, you're like, I'm blind. Like, without your glasses, you'd be blind. OK, yeah. All right, so imagine this. Like, you could be in this position that this, this man is. The other day, we were playing on the couch. And, um, and our little two-year-old daughter, Esther, she'll like to take Ashley's glasses off. And she'll you know put it on her. And her eyes get, like, really big. And she's like, Mommy, I can't see anything. OK, because Ashley's blind. All right. This man, he was kind of in this condition. And, and we can know that this man, he wasn't born blind. Something happened to him. Maybe it was a cataract. Maybe it was astigmatism. Maybe he had glaucoma. Maybe he got sick. Maybe he got hit. We don't really know what it was that led him to be blind, but we do know the condition that he is in. He is totally blind. And we know he wasn't born this way because in a few verses, what we recognize is that he says, I see men, they look like trees walking. Okay? If he had always been blind, he wouldn't know what a tree looked like, he wouldn't know what a person looked like, and so he wouldn't be able to get him confused. So this man, he is, he is blind. And what we also see is this, that he is desperate. Just imagine being a person of sight, and then you're blind. You'd basically lose everything, wouldn't you? I mean, for them, they would be considered a curse of God. That they must have done something in their life, or someone had done something in their life, maybe it was a sin, that God would have struck this man with blindness. And so he was considered an outcast. He was ceremonially unclean, so he wouldn't be allowed to go to worship. He was unwelcomed into their society. He couldn't go to the temple. He couldn't go to the synagogue. He couldn't pray. He couldn't read his Bible. He couldn't be in fellowship with God's people. He was basically considered an outcast, left to do nothing but beg. He can't work. If he's not married, then he wouldn't be allowed to be married. He couldn't have children. He would never see a sunrise. Just think about this man. He has lost everything. And now he's at a point to where he is desperate for Jesus, that he is running to Jesus. He is coming to Jesus. He is begging for Jesus. This man here, he is desperate for Jesus. And in the ancient world, there was all sorts of remedies and cures that they would try to give towards blindness. I mean, they were kind of crazy. I actually saw a lot of them when I was doing sermon prep this week, reading through some commentaries. I'll share a couple with you. Like if you were blind, here's some of the things that you would do. You would go to the pagan priests or maybe you'd go to a rabbi or maybe you'd go see you know some pagan doctor and they would say, okay, here's some things you can do to be able to cure your blindness. You take the blood of a rooster and you mix it with honey. And then you rub it on the eyes. And once it gets nice and crusty, then you would would wash it off. And then you would be healed. Eh, it didn't work. And they're like, well, that didn't work. We got another idea. You can take onions and garlic, because I know that's what I want in my eyes, and then mix it with the jaw of a crocodile. You're like, but how do I find a jaw of a crocodile? Well, if you can't find a jaw of a crocodile, there is a substitution you can use, which is the bones of a perch. So you could take the crocodile jaw, the bones of the perch, the onion, and the garlic, make it into a balm, rub it on the person's eyes. They could go down to the temple, and they could wash it off, and then maybe they would see. Ridiculous things. And none of those things actually worked. But this man, he's in a place where he is begging for Jesus. He is running to Jesus. He is coming to Jesus. He's at a place in his life where he's desperate for Jesus. He's done all of those things. He's tried everything, and nothing has helped, and nothing is better, and nothing works. He's worse than he was before, and this man, he has tried everything. And until you come to Jesus, you will try anything. Until Jesus is the only thing, you will try anything. And some of you, you all know exactly what I'm talking about. You think rooster's blood and honey, well, that's ridiculous. That's not going to cure blindness. Neither will drugs, sex, and alcohol. Amen. But that's what you try. Neither will hook up, shack up, break up. But that's what you try. You say, that's ridiculous, then why are you trying it? Because it ain't gonna cure your blindness. Many of you, that's exactly what you do, that you would say, okay, well, I'm gonna get this job and that's gonna cure me, no it won't, you're still blind. Well, I'm gonna get married and that's gonna cure me, no it won't, you're still blind. Well, I'm gonna get divorced, that's gonna cure me, no it won't, you're still blind. Well, I'm gonna sleep with this person and I'm gonna live with this person and then maybe that will cure me, no it won't, you're still blind. You say, well, okay, well, I'm going to do these drugs, and I'm going to go to these places and hang out with these people, and then that will cure me. No, it won't. You are still blind. Well, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going to vote for this person certain person, and then that's going to cure me. No, it won't. You are still blind. Everything you try, everything you do, nothing helps. It's only going to make matters worse. And you think that this is going to be the cure for your blindness. There is no cure for your blindness except for Jesus. And until Jesus is the only thing, you will try anything. And you look ridiculous while doing it. Until you get to a place in your life where you're desperate. This man, he was desperate. This man, he's in a place to where if Jesus doesn't touch him, then he's going to be blind for the rest of his life. And many of you, without coming to Jesus, not only will you be blind in this life, but you will be blind for the next one and you will live eternally in darkness, spiritually blind, never able to see Jesus. This man says, unless Jesus touches me, unless I can get to Jesus, unless I can be with Jesus, unless I can get at the feet of Jesus, unless Jesus heals me, I'm gonna be blind for the rest of my life. People who are physically blind, they know they're blind. People who are spiritually blind, they don't see it. This man, he is desperate for Jesus. Are you desperate for Jesus? Are you in a place in your life where Jesus is the only thing? Are you in a place in your life where Jesus is the only one and the only way? Until you get to that place where you're so desperate for Jesus, you will never see him clearly. If you want to see Jesus, you got to be desperate for him. Which leads us to the next point. If you want to see Jesus clearly, then you need to be led by him. Here's what we see here. And he took the man by the hand, and he led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, he laid his hands on him, and he asked him, do you see anything? So the man comes to Jesus He's blind. Jesus recognizes this, and he says, OK, let's, let's do this thing. He grabs him by the hand, and then he takes him outside of the village. And so they're going for their walk. They're outside the village. They're in the middle of nowhere. It's him and the man, and, and what he does is this. He's like, OK, you ready? He spit in the guy's eyes. He just spit in this dude's face. Anybody think that's weird? Anybody think that's weird? You're like, okay. Just imagine this. Imagine this situation, right? So today, after the sermon, we do our little altar call, altar prayer time. And if anybody you know, wants to receive prayer, please come down to the front. We'd love to be able to pray for you. And then as you come down to the front, there's Meredy and Chuck. <laughs> nice elderly couple, deacons in our church, leading our prayer team, and you think, oh, I'm gonna go let Miss Didi pray for me. You go down front, and Didi's Dee up here, and she says, "Well, is there anything I pray for?" You said, "Yeah, Pastor's sermon really got to me today, and I think there's some areas in my life where I'm spiritually blind, and I just, I just need Jesus to open my eyes." And Didi's Dee like, "Okay, we can do that for you. Give me one second." <laughs> 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 got to get a good one. Hold on. <laughs> I'm never coming back to this church again. <laughs> that's, that's weird. Why would Jesus spit in this guy's eyes? Actually, this ain't the only time Jesus spit in a guy's face. <laughs> if you remember back to Mark chapter 7, when Jesus heals the deaf and mute man, he spits in his mouth. <laughs> like, Jesus be spitting on everybody, I guess. Like, that's just kind of the way he does things. <laughs> So you think, that's interesting. Why why would Jesus do this? Well, in fact... He's actually just trying to communicate with the man. See, back in those days, they considered saliva to have medicinal properties. Now, Jesus isn't using saliva in the way that the pagans would use, but what he's actually doing is he is trying to communicate with this man in a way that he understands. What he's trying to do here is this. He's trying to give him the expectation that's about to match his experience. What Jesus is trying to do is he's wanting to show this show this man that he needs to have the faith to match the miracle that he is about to receive. See, this man, he understands exactly what's happening. He knows that the touch of the hand, he knows the leading, he knows the spit in his eye, and that he is building anticipation, expectation to match the experience. He's receiving the faith to match the miracle. If you want to see Jesus clearly, you need to have the faith to match the miracle. You think, well, how do I do that? The answer is easy. You need to be led by him. See, Jesus here, he takes the man by the, by the hand. Not only are we going to see Jesus' power, but we're also going to see him work personally in the life of this man. That Jesus would take him by the hand and lead him. Now, if you're this man, what's going through your mind right now? Right? Jesus just took me by the hand. I mean, this is the healer. This is the miracle worker. And now he has me by the hand. Do you think his faith in that moment is beginning to build? He's going to do it. He's going he's to heal me. He, he, he's got me. Uh, he's going to do it. I'm, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to see where this goes. This is going to be incredible. I, I'm going to follow him because this man, he knows. I, this is the same guy who healed the woman with the issue of blood who, for 12 years, she was suffering. This is the same man who raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. This is the same man who cast out legions of demons from the dude in the graveyard. This is the same guy who calmed the storms with speaking to them. This is the same guy who fed not only 5,000, but 4,000 on two separate occasions with just some fish and just some loaves. This is the healer. And now he has me by the hand. Whoo. Do you think his faith is beginning to grow? Do you think that his faith and the experience is matching the expectation? Do you think that his faith is matching the miracle that he's about to receive? And then Jesus leads him outside of the village while holding his hand. And then once they get outside the village, it's just him and Jesus. Then Jesus spits on him. But this man wasn't offended. This man, he understood Say, I'm about to get my healing. He's about to do it. I'm about to get my healing. His faith is growing. And now he has the faith to match the miracle that he's about to receive. But you know what? So often in our lives, we want our healing without the faith that's needed. So often in our lives, we want the healing, but we don't really want to do anything. We want the healing, but we don't really want to have the faith to match the miracles. So many times, here's what we say. Well, if Jesus could heal me, he'd just do it right here. Oh, well, I mean, if Jesus wants to heal, then, you know, he doesn't really need anything from me. Just go ahead and do it. Don't discredit the faith it takes in your part. Just think about it. You're like, how many times you're like, well, you know, I mean, Jesus, do I have to really follow him? I mean, if he really loved me, then, then he would just go ahead and heal me anyway. Yes, you have to follow him. You know why? Because it's in the following that you find your faith. The Apostle Paul, he writes, we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. It's in following him you find your faith. If you want to see God move in your life, you have to be willing to take him by the hand and let him lead you. I mean, Jesus, you got to have to really spit in my eyes. You didn't spit in anybody else's eyes. I mean, I didn't see Jerry's daughter get spit on. Why do you got to spit on me? Why do you got to do it to me? Jesus, I mean, if you want to do it, why? be careful telling God how to change your life. If you want to have faith, you got to follow. If you want to see him clearly, you have to be willing to be led by him. If you think about it, isn't it kind of cruel that Jesus would tell this blind man to follow him? I mean, if you think about it, right? He's blind. Hey, you're blind, can't see anything, follow me, let's go. It's a little cruel for Jesus to do this guy because just think about it. Like this guy, he's been sitting probably on the side of the corner, you know, begging for change for, for years. He hasn't worked. He's, he's in the village. There's not anybody really around him. Nobody to lead him, help him, guide him. None of those things. He's probably been leaning on the same street corner, you know, hanging onto the same pole, like just, just kind of being in one place and he can't see. And then Jesus, like, oh, okay, well, follow me. We're going to take a 10-mile hike outside of the city. That seems a little cruel, doesn't it? But Jesus does take him by the hand. And then he leads him the entire way. He doesn't really tell him where he's going, but he does want him to know that he's going to follow him. That's exactly what following Jesus is like. That you don't really understand where you're going, but you do need to know whose hand you're holding. You need to know that that he's leading you, that he is guiding you. And yeah, you might be tripping, you might be stumbling, you might be falling the entire time, but he still has your hand. And He he's still leading you. He's still guiding you. He's never let you go. That he is going to get you where he wants you to be. And if you just keep holding his hand, if you just keep having faith, if you just keep following after him, then eventually you will see him clearly. But you've got to be willing to be led. This man, he only got his miracle because he was willing to be led. If you want to see Jesus clearly, you have to be willing to be led by him. Which leads us to the the next point. If you want to see him clearly, you need to be honest with him. Verse 3. Verse 24. And he looked up and said to him, I see people. But they look like trees walking. Jesus gets with them and he says, Okay, do you see anything? He says, um, Kind of. I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus meets this man in his desperation, grabs him by the hand, leads him outside the village, spits in his eyes, and then this is where you think that the story would end. Do you see anything? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I got my healing. Woohoo! This is amazing. But that's not how the story ends. Jesus asks the guy. He says, "Do you see anything?" And now the man he has a choice to make. This man could say, "Eh, kinda. I can see good, but not really that good." He has a choice to make. He he could he could say, "Oh, I can see these partially. You know, it's like still a little blurry, still a little fuzzy. I don't think it really took. I mean, could you do it again? Like, let me figure this out?" He could do that. Or he could do what so many of us do. Of course I can see. What do you think? I'm blind. <laughs> Who does Jesus think he is? Asking me if I can see. Of course I can see. I can see, I can see perfectly fine. I got 20-20 vision. I can see everything perfectly clear. And he could, he has a choice to make. He could either be honest with Jesus and say, no where he can be proud and say, oh, yeah, of course I can see everything. And if he does that, he's going to go the rest of his life talking to trees and cutting down people. She gets it now. Good. <laughs> if you want to see him clearly, you've got to be honest. You have to be able to say, "Uh, no, I, I don't see anything. I don't see everything. It doesn't look clear. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to need a little bit more from you. It's not yet clear. It's only partially clear. It's not perfectly clear. Jesus, I, 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 need, I need more. If you want to see him clearly, you have to be honest with him. Now, you think, this is strange. Like, how come Jesus just couldn't heal him the first time? Does Jesus lose his power? I mean, maybe, maybe Jesus just isn't strong enough to heal people from blindness. I mean, maybe they just need a second. Maybe Jesus was tired. I mean, he's been healing people for eight chapters. I mean, maybe he's tired. Maybe he's running out of gas. Maybe the Jesus juice just ain't working today. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe, you know, like he just healed another person and he needs to take a nap and maybe he's got to, you know, get something to eat first. Maybe he just can't do it. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what it is. I don't believe that's what it is. Some people will take this text and they'll say, okay, well, this is proof that, you know, sometimes Jesus just doesn't heal you. I don't think that that's what this text is teaching. And then on other occasions, some people say, well, this just goes to show that miracles happen in stages. And so, you know, like somebody prays for you and it it just doesn't quite take. You need to shake it out. Maybe he can do it again. And then if it didn't work you just walk it off and then maybe it's going to work again. I don't think that's what this text is teaching either. This text, remember, is not about a physical healing. I'd be really careful building a doctrine off of one verse. This this is not about a physical healing. This is actually about a spiritual healing. This is actually really unique. Do you know that? This is the only time ever recorded in any of the Gospels that Jesus does a partial miracle. Matthew, Luke, nor John record this story. Only time in all of the Gospels there's a partial miracle. And more than that, this is the only time in the entire Bible that a partial miracle is ever recorded. You think, well, that's... That's interesting. Yeah, it is. So be very careful trying to build a doctrine off of one verse. So what, what, is, what is this showing? See, I personally, I don't believe that Jesus ever does anything halfway. I don't know about you guys, but I just don't believe that Jesus ever does anything halfway. I don't believe that Jesus any ever halfway saves. I don't believe that Jesus ever halfway forgives. I don't believe that Jesus ever halfway sets people free from their sins. I don't believe that Jesus ever halfway loves somebody. I believe when Jesus does something, he doesn't go halfway. Jesus goes out of his way to do things all of the way. That whenever Jesus heals, he doesn't just do it partially. I believe he does it perfectly. Whenever Jesus saves, I don't believe he saves you partially. I believe he saves you perfectly. Whenever Jesus forgives, it's a perfect forgiveness. That Jesus does anything partially. Jesus does everything perfectly. So what is this text showing us? This is actually a spiritual illustration of a spiritual condition. See this this man he might be the one who's blind but he's actually not the one who is blind. Whenever Jesus speaks to him and says, "Can you see clearly?" We think, "Well, that's interesting. Who's he talking to?" Sounds to me a lot like verse 21. Do you understand? What Jesus is really saying here is he is using the blind man as an illustration for his blind disciples. He's looking at the blind man, but he's really seeing through the blind man, looking over to his disciples, and he says, Can you see clearly? Do you know who I am yet? Do you not yet understand? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not yet get it? Can you see anything? Who do you think the people who look like trees are? They're they're outside the village. Who are the people? It's the disciples. See, the blind man, he wasn't the real blind man. The disciples, they were the ones who were blind. They were the ones who didn't see Jesus clearly. Because the blind man, he's like, I have no clue what you're talking about, but I'm still blind. (laughs) It's not good enough. I need I need more. Like I see people, they look like trees walking. This doesn't make sense. Okay, Jesus. It's not good. I need I need, it, I, need it, I need more than this. And because the man was willing to be honest, he got his healing. Amen. Honesty leads to your healing. The disciples, they were unwilling to be honest about the state that they were in, about the condition that they were in, about the spiritual blindness they had. They were unwilling to be honest, and so they still have not got their healing. But this man, he was like, I'm going to be honest. I can't see anything. Boom, second touch, healed. He had a choice. He could have settled for good enough. But it wasn't good enough. Good enough is not good enough. Don't settle for good enough when what you really need is a second touch. You need a second touch from Jesus. Don't settle for good enough. What Jesus is showing us is this, is that one touch from him is not enough. You're gonna need a second touch. You're gonna need a third touch. You're gonna need a fourth touch. You're gonna need a constant continual coming to him so that he can touch you, so he can change you, so he can transform you, so he can be with you. You need more than just one touch. Don't settle for good enough when what we all need is really a second touch. We need him to touch our lives again. And sometimes we settle for good enough. Well, marriage is falling apart, but at least I ain't divorced. Good enough. Kids aren't following Jesus, but at least they ain't in prison. Good enough. I don't really want to deal with my depression, so I'll just post memes on Facebook so people think I'm happy. Good enough. I don't have a prayer life, but you know. God knows my heart, good enough. I don't really want to forgive those people in my life who hurt me, but I'll just ignore them. I guess that's good enough. I don't read my Bible, but I remember the Sunday school stories. I guess that's good enough. I don't want to go to church, but, you know, I'll just watch some YouTube clips, and I guess that'll just be good enough. I don't really want to walk in freedom, so I'll just, you know, sit here and live my old life and do the same things that I've always done. I guess that's just good enough. I don't really want to, you know, be passionate about the Lord or on fire for Jesus like the rest of those redemption people. But, you know, I mean, I did bow my head and I prayed the prayer once saved, always saved. I'll get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I guess that's just good enough. And many times you don't see Jesus clearly because you settle instead of getting a second touch. You settle for good enough when what you really need for your life is you need a second touch. One touch from him is not enough. You need a second touch. And when it comes to those of us in our church, there's so many of us who don't see Jesus clearly because we're unwilling to be honest with him and say, you know what, Jesus, I need a second touch. That one touch from you is not enough. I'm going to need you today and tomorrow and the next day and every single day for the rest of my life and I can't get enough I need a second touch I'm not gonna settle I need a second touch we have so many people in churches who are blind because they're too proud to be able to say they need a second touch you need a second touch one touch is not enough You gotta keep coming to him again and again and over and over, day after day, saying, Jesus, I'm not good today. I need a second touch. You gotta be honest with him and say, I'm not in a good spot. I'm not in a good place. I don't see you clearly. I don't, I don't see you working. I don't see you moving in my life. I don't see you. I don't see your love. I don't see your power. I don't see your grace. I don't see your mercy in my life. I'm not seeing people meet Jesus. I'm not seeing things happen. You're blind. You need a second touch. So many people walking around claiming they can see when all they see is people like trees walking? Is God working in your life? If not, you're blind. Is God moving in your life? If not, you're blind. Do you see God working, or do you see men like trees walking? You need a touch from Jesus. Some of you, it's been a long time since you've let Jesus speak into your life. Some of you, it's been a long time since you let Jesus touch your life. You are living on touches from 10 years ago. It's not enough. If you're here today, don't walk out these doors without getting a second touch from him. Say, Jesus, I need you. You have to do something. I can't see. I can't see clearly. I don't know you. I don't see you moving. I don't see you working. I don't see anything. You need to touch my life, because right now, everything's blurry and nothing makes sense. God, I need you. And if you don't touch my life, then I'm going to spend the rest of my life blind. You need a touch from Jesus. And you got to be honest about that. Say, I just need a touch from him. The man, he got his healing. You know why? because he was willing to be honest. The disciples are still blind because they don't have a clue, which leads us to the fourth point. If you want to see Jesus clearly, you got to be obedient to Jesus. Here's what we see next, verse 26. And then he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter into the village. First, Jesus takes him out of the village. And then he heals them and then says, don't go back to the village. So why, why, why would Jesus do that? Because Jesus doesn't change your life so you can go back and live your old one. Amen. Yeah. If you think about it, there's nothing that the village has to offer this man. Because back in the village, he was a beggar. Back in the village, he was the blind man. Back in the village, everybody looked down on him, spit on him. He was ceremonially unclean. He was unwelcome, unworthy, couldn't go to temple, couldn't go to synagogue, couldn't pray, couldn't read his Bible, couldn't be married. There was nothing that this man could do. Back in the village, there was nothing there for him. And then he meets Jesus, and everything in his life changes. Right? He's not blind anymore, which means He's welcomed back into society, which means he can get married, have kids. He can see his children smile. He can watch a sunrise. He could paint a picture. I mean, this man, he could go to work. He could make some money. He could provide for his family. He was now welcomed back into the church. He could go read his Bible. He could worship. He could pray. He could go to the synagogue. He could become a deacon, elder. He could do anything. Like, this man's entire life has just been given back to him. He has a whole world in front of him. His future is wide open. This man, his life is changed forever. Why would he go back to the village? In the village, he was a blind man. He ain't blind. In the village, he was a beggar. There's no need for him to beg anymore. Jesus says, don't go back, just be obedient. Don't go back. How tragic would it have been for this blind man to go right back to being a beggar? How tragic would it have been for this man to meet Jesus and then the next time he rolls through town, he's sitting on the street corner again, bumming for change. How tragic would that be to have Jesus open up your eyes and then go right back to living the same life that led you to him in the first place? How tragic would that be for the blind man to meet Jesus and go right back to being a beggar? I see it happen every single month in our church when people go back to their old lives. People come into church and they say, oh, church is amazing. Life changed through Jesus. I met Jesus. This is great. And then they start serving, hanging out. And then they get baptized. And then three months later, you don't even see them anymore because they go right back to their old life. Former blind men who have become beggars again. The village has nothing to offer you. Your old life has nothing to offer you. Those things, they have nothing to offer you. They're only going to hold you back. They're only going to hinder you. They're only going to take you further away from him. Why would you go back when he has so much more for you? Why would you go back to the village when he has so much destined for you? Why would you go back instead of just being obedient? Just follow him. Just trust in him. Just give your life to him. Just day by day, keep walking with him. Don't go back. Just be obedient it breaks my heart all the time to see people in our church just go back. There's one person in particular, I pray about her all the time. Actually, I met her at the gym and I showed a conversation. There's a lot of things in our life that were very similar. And as I was talking with her, you know, um, I shared my faith, witnessing to her and we built up a little relationship. And she told me she was an atheist. And she'd never read her Bible, never been to church. And I'm like, OK, cool. Sounds like you'll fit right in here at Redemption. And so um, I invited her to church. She's like, well, I don't really want to go. And I don't really know. I was like, hey, that's cool. So we just kept talking. And eventually, I built up enough relationship where she trusted us. And so she came to church. and. Um, I told my wife, hey, she's coming. So we went and got her nice ESV study Bible. And she came and she sat with us. And I gave her a Bible. And she'd never read her Bible before. And she was smiling. Everybody was so nice. And through the worship and the sermon, everything was incredible. And I said, hey, what'd you think? She said, I'm going to come back next week. And then she came back the next week and the next week. And then she you know, got on a serve team. She got in a community group. And man, this girl, her entire life just began to change. Her countenance changed You know, I mean, everything in her life just begins flourishing and thriving, and God's blessing her in these incredible ways. And then, well, she misses a Sunday. No big deal. And she misses the next Sunday. It's okay. Then she doesn't go to community group, and then she dips out on her serve team, and then she misses another week, and then she starts hanging out with her old friends and starts kind of going back to some of those old habits and old things that she was doing, and her friends are like, you've changed. You know, like, you're, you're just not the same person you were before. What's going on in your life? You know, how, I don't know if I really like that or not. And as she goes back to her old life, eventually the voices in the village begin to take her away from the healing she's received. And then I stop seeing her and not hear from her anymore. And so uh, me and Ashley actually ran into her at the grocery store And um, she ran down a different aisle to hide from us. And my heart just broke because I I love this girl dearly. And I just began to think, how in the world can a person meet Jesus and go back? How in the world can a person experience what God has for them and then choose to become a beggar again? I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me. And you're saying, Pastor Byron, is that, are you saying that you can lose your salvation? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, if you're going back to being a beggar, maybe you were never really healed in the first place. I see so many times people go back to their village. Why? Why would you go back? What does it have to offer you? A street corner? What does it have to offer you going back to the village? There's nothing there for you. Your old life has nothing there for you. There is no reason for you to go back. Your old nature, nothing. Your old self, nothing. Those old lies, nothing. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation, nothing. The brokenness, nothing. The blindness, nothing. Why go back when he has something far better for you? Don't go back. Just be obedient to him. Don't go back. Jesus says, there's no reason for you to go back to the village because I just gave you a brand new life. It's yours. Just just be obedient. Which leads us to the last point. If you want to see Jesus clearly, you need to be amazed by Jesus. Here's what he says I want to look verse at 25 again. It says, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes, and again he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. You know, sometimes we can read verses like this, and the tendency is that we're just going to rush past it real fast. We're like, oh, okay, there's the blind man. Big deal. You know, Jesus healed a blind man. All right, he's healed a lot of people. Why is this of any significance? Only five verses. It's not really going to cut into my devotional time. Let's just keep moving forward. And oftentimes we would skip this, but just like the magic eye, if we don't lean in, look to, focus on, we're going to miss something that is underneath that is actually very significant. But my fear is this, is that we can become so familiar with Jesus that we cease to be amazed by him. If you think about it, you're like, well, what's the big deal about healing a blind man? In fact... Jesus heals blind men all the time. This is the first time in Mark. He's going to do it again in a couple of chapters. But the number one miracle that Jesus performs more than any other miracle is healing blind people. right, seven times in the Gospels, Jesus is recorded as healing blind people. It's his favorite miracle to do. Well, what's the big deal about that? Do you know how many people in the Old Testament were healed of blindness? Zero. They had considered it impossible. That it was a disease that was incurable. If you were blind, you were blind for the rest of your life. There's nothing they could do. There's no healing that would be available for you. It's impossible. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus does the impossible. They didn't think that anyone could ever be cured. But there was a couple of prophecies in the book of Isaiah about a man who was going to come from God, the promised Messiah, and only the Messiah would be able to open the eyes of the blind. And then here they are. The Messiah is right in front of them. And in these five verses, Jesus fulfills the messianic prophecies about him being the one who was going to open the eyes of the blind. And then Jesus comes and then Jesus does it. And you guess what the disciples' response was? Nothing. They witnessed something that no one in the history of the world had ever seen and they have failed to be amazed by him because they were so familiar with him. They ceased to be amazed by him. Do you think the blind man was amazed? Yes. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, I see people, and they look like people. This is amazing. Do you think the, the 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 people who brought the man to Jesus? They're like he did it. Took a little spit, but he got it done. Do you think they were a little amazed by Jesus? Oh, they were amazed by Jesus. And then the disciples. Here's what they see. They see the Messiah in front of them. They see the miracle in front of them. They see Jesus in front of them, and they have become so familiar. They've been ceased to be amazed by him. Just another healing. What's the big deal? Jesus does this stuff all the time. Just another miracle, let say Tuesday. I think that's his miracle day. This is just what happens when you follow Jesus. I mean, you know, but how many times have we ceased to be amazed by him too? How many times you're like, well, just church on Sunday. What's the big deal about that? Just community group, just prayer, just Bible reading, just Wednesday night, first Wednesday prayer meeting, not a big deal. It's just first week of the month we pray as a church. That's just how it is, you know? Have you become so familiar with Jesus that you have ceased to be amazed by him? If you want to see Jesus clearly, you have to be amazed by him. Are you amazed by Jesus? I mean, how can you think about Jesus and not be amazed by him? I mean, just think about it. He is the creator of the universe, become a man, entered into human history, lived the life that you never could live, died the death that you deserve in your place for your sins, takes upon himself all of the wrath and the punishment of God, and then as he is buried, resurrects after three days, conquering Satan's sin, hell, death, and the grave, giving you hope, giving you grace, giving you mercy, giving you redemption, and then he ascends to the right hand of the Father where he gives to you the Holy Spirit. How can you not be amazed by that? every every time you think I'm saved, how can you not think that's amazing, that your past has been forgiven, that he's given you a new future, a new destiny, a new direction, a new life, how can that not be amazing to you, that the worst day of your life is not even credited to you, and then the best day of Jesus' life has been given for you, how can you not be amazed by that how can you not sit your feet on the ground, every morning you wake up, take breath in your lungs and realize he's given you another day, how can you take that for granted? How can you not be amazed by that? How can you cease to be amazed by what Jesus does? He gives you the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts to enable you through his power to change the world. He's given you a church with everyone in this room who used to be strangers, but now they're family. He's given you the Bible, the authoritative word of God for your life, so you don't have to guess who he is. He speaks directly to you. He listens to your prayers. I mean, he's given you Everything you need, how can you just come to church and say, oh, it's just church again? How can you be a Christian and not be amazed by Jesus? It's wild to me that we have a culture today where it's okay for you to be a casual Christian. Blows my mind that you could think it's okay for you to be like, well, you know, I love Jesus, but... I don't really pray very often because, you know, that's for the really spiritual people. Blows my mind. Blows my mind that we can say, well, I'm not one of those crazy Christian Jesus love and redemption people. (laughs) I only go to church maybe once a quarter when I feel like it. Blows my mind. Blows my mind that we've accepted a level of Christianity of blindness. Blindness. If you're not amazed by Jesus, can I just tell you, you're blind. You just don't see him. If you can look at him and not be amazed, you're blind. But it passes for Christianity all the time. I wasn't going to tell this, but I'm already over time, so let me go ahead and tell this story anyway. (laughs) My pastor, his name's Donnie. He's a pastor of a church here in town, and he's been a mentor for me. And whenever he, I started working with him, he told me a story about whenever he was a young preacher, he just kind of got his first church, and he got voted in by all the deacons, and he got up to preach a gospel message. And at the end of the message, he gave an altar call, and then one of the deacons came forward for the altar call. He's like, "What are you doing here? You're a deacon." You voted me in. And the deacon, with tears in his eyes, he said, I've been in church my entire life and I'm a deacon here. And I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior. See, blind people know they're blind. Spiritually blind people. They don't have a clue. That you can be in church your whole life and still not see Jesus. That you can... Watch Jesus your whole life, and you can still not see him. Like the magic eye, many of you are looking at it, saying you see the picture, but you don't. You don't see him. Because if you did, you would be amazed by him. When you think about your life, are you desperate for Jesus? If you're not, you're blind. When you think about your life, are you being led by Jesus? If not, you're still blind. Are you honest with Jesus? No, like really, seriously, drop the religion. Are you honest with Jesus? If not, you're blind. Are you obedient to Jesus? Do you do what he says? Are you living your life? For his glory, for the good of others, pursuing after him with every fiber in your being, are you pursuing after Jesus? Are you being obedient after him? If not, then you're blind. Are you amazed by Jesus in your life? If not, you're blind. You're still blind. But the good news is is this. The one miracle Jesus does more than any other miracle is he heals blind men. If you're here today and you're blind, don't walk out these doors seeing people who look like trees walking. Don't leave here without a touch from Jesus. And he's not gonna change your life halfway. He's gonna change your life completely so you can begin to see him clearly. So that way you will know him for who he is. The gospel is good. The gospel is